It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Episode of Terry's Talking, Cleveland.com's podcast with Terry Pluto, award-winning columnist for The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, and myself, David Campbell, sports manager at Cleveland.com. Terry, we're taping this on a Friday this week. You were able to get a few days off and get some hiking, and it sounds like you got some good weather and had a good time. Yeah, we went down to, we love to hike in southern Ohio, um, the Marietta area. That If you haven't really been around the Wayne National Forest there, uh, it's worth checking out. I also would suggest you go to the ranger station first and get some like directions from where the trails are and that. But the cool thing that I've then and we'll get into the Browns and that, but I've, I've not, I don't mountain bike or anything, David, but these guys are these mountain bikers. They've taken a lot of these old trails in that national forest and they have just redone them and they're magnificent for hiking and they, you can wait, go back in there and hardly see anybody, but they're well marked. And so if you're a mountain biker out there and you had anything to do with that, I'm all for you. If you're a mountain <laughs> biker out there and Roberta and I are on the trail and you want to run us over, we don't like you. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, the mountain bikers. I, I'm always envisioning going over a stump and breaking my arm. So I'll run, I'll run it and I'll walk it, but I won't. Bike I, it, I don't so. know how they do it. I really don't. But anyway, but it yeah, really has transformed because we've been doing that for about 15 years, go down there for, a couple of times a year just to get away and to hike. And, and we love the town of Marietta and uh, uh, it's been cool to see that happen because it's a great resource. that have been sitting there, you know, in the old days, they, they mined the, the oil, oil and gas out of there and they still take some, but uh, it's been just, you just see how the, uh, you know, the old thing where things got reclaimed and it's really pretty. So, all right. What's up there, right. Dr. Campbell? All right. Well, Terry, while you were off for a few days, well, before you left, Jadavion Clowney signed. And then when you got back, Baker Mayfield was still on the Browns. Yes. So we have an interesting thing going on. We've got the roster being built and Baker is still there. And uh, it's kind of been, it, it, I think there might be some similarities here that we want to talk about a little bit in terms of approach, right? That the Browns are taking in terms of getting these. Yeah, it's done. something that uh, I'm writing about for the weekend. I think people are, are they going to sign Clowney? Are they going to sign Clowney? Maybe he'll go to Carol. In fact, remember Carolina popped up out of nowhere. They're going to give him a two-year contract. Well, the Browns were convinced that A, Clowney wouldn't get a two-year contract from anyone. And B, if he did, you can have him. They won't say that publicly, but because of his injury history and that, uh, they were not going to commit for more than a year. And they felt that Clowney was smart enough to realize that this training staff here kept him on the field a lot more than he did at Tennessee and Seattle's previous couple of stops. And that's all true. So they were patient and they ended up signing him for, you know, what they considered a, a fair deal for both sides. You know, Connie, I'm sure would have liked more. Remember at the end of the year, he gave a, this is about money speech. So he was, wasn't just, he wasn't doing the Browns a favor. It's the best deal he thought he could get which brings us to Mayfield and what, like there was some stuff coming out of Charlotte. What were they saying about the, the offer and that? Oh, and Mary Kay Cabot, our colleague has written a lot about this, about how mm -hmm. the, it's kind of a sliding scale where the more the Browns are willing to pay a Mayfield contract, the better draft pick they'd get. And the less they were willing to pay the worst draft pick they would get. So that's kind of what we've been hearing. Yes. And, and there were some numbers attached to that, I think this week, but. Yeah. That's, well, that's and, and Mary Kay was on top of it, but I think right now we're, uh, Carolina felt that they're the only bidder in town and that they wanted to the Browns to pay basically all about 5 million of the salary. 
and that they would just basically give them almost a, just a terrible draft pick, take it or leave it. And I believe the Browns' position is kind of like they are with Conley, with uh, Connie. Well, do we really have to make this decision now? Do you really have to do it? Maybe. Let's just wait because Baker is still in the final stages of recovering from that left shoulder surgery. So it's not like he would go into camp somewhere else and probably dazzle people. I'm not sure how much they'd have him out there. Secondly, you know, let Seattle look at Geno Smith and Drew Locke in these OTAs. You know, let Carolina look at Darnold and Corral or whoever else they got in there. But some of these other teams look at what they've got. And rather than, I can tell you this, they're not going to release Mayfield. You know, they're just not. They just think that's stupid. They'll make an awful deal before they do that. Uh, but I think they just said, let's just wait. It's it's the end of May. Then, you know, after these different little camps, things shut down and see where they are come uh, the veterans camp. So uh, the, in general, other than the Watson thing, which, you know, I, I just think it was primarily driven from way on top and was a move of desperation. But most of the other moves they have made, have been pretty calculated. And I think this is another one. Absolutely. And you know, you've been around long enough, Terry, and Andrew Barry knows this, obviously, but it's all about supply and demand. And right now, the supply, the demand for Baker Mayfield is not as high no. as it might be later on, uh, mm-hmm. a month or two from now. And even when you get into the early stages of training camp in late July, somebody goes down, somebody does an Achilles or a knee or something, all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield is a hot, hotter commodity than he is right now. So, um, I think you're right. I think waiting is where they're at. So Yeah, and, and they feel that there isn't a lot to lose by waiting because all they would have lost is what they would have felt was a very, very lousy deal. So um, let's just sit and wait. So I think that this is generally their approach that they use. You know, they've waited on Clowney before. Um, if you've watched how they've uh, handled some of their other negotiations, they've done a good job of getting their players signed. And – um, I just, I got, when it comes to that stuff, I have a lot of confidence in Andrew Barry and that's for an office. I'm, I'm reading the way things should uh, come down. All right. Well, Terry, this was kind of the first week that we really got to see Deshaun Watson on the field, throwing to people. The Browns had great attendance for the voluntary OTAs this week. And from all the reports we're getting, Deshaun Watson looks like the real deal. Mary Kay's been saying that, you know, that you can tell you're watching a superstar when you're watching him in terms of a talent. It seems like he's really settling in and the players seem like they say they really like him and things are starting to come together. Well, in terms of his leadership ability, ability to communicate and connect with people on the team, that's been one of his strengths since they went to Clemson. Remember, that's why uh, Sweeney there would say, hey, this guy's the next Michael Jordan. He's the next superstar. It wasn't just that... Uh, he's a good quarterback, but that in terms of how he relates to coaches and players, um, it's really strong. And the Browns are seeing here. Secondly, um, I didn't know this is Scott Kendrick, who does uh, some editing for us for cleveland.com and the Point dealer. Uh, he had this thing that he said for guys that have thrown more than 1500 passes in their NFL careers, uh, Watson has the highest completion percentage. So, these drills, by the way, out there in shorts and that are made for a quarterback who really is accurate. And I, I heard other than, because uh, I was not out there, you know, I was off, but I talked to some people who were there, including some real high ups. And they said, other than some timing and some things that just, you know, it looked a little rusty, but overall, you know, they're, they're really pleased with them. You know, the on the field stuff with, with Watson Strong. And even people like me who are critical of the trade, I'm not denying that. Now, I will not say he's a top three or even top five quarterback. The Browns have said that. But is he a top 10, you know, eight? Is he good? Is he good enough to take it real far? Yes, he is. Um, this is the, you know, we got to wait to see what the NFL does with all this stuff. Yeah, for sure. And that should be coming down, you'd think, in the next month or so from the, from the vibes we're getting. Oh, so. Lord, I hope so. I mean, for a variety of reasons. You know, the NFL also needs this uh, penalty to come out so they can stop the endless speculation and the endless parade of, you know, those interviews getting played over and over again, all those other things that make the league look, you know, horrible. And then this way, 
you know, they will have to have to deal with it. I mean, I, I didn't like it. I still don't like it. But I also know this. I'm not going to deny, as I just said, I, I just lauded Watson the quarterback. He's good at it. They, they haven't had something like this here. Probably since Bernie, if this guy stays, you know, the other thing he's got to make sure he stays healthy. He doesn't ACL. And I'm always a bit concerned with a guy who just hasn't played for a year and that, but, but overall in terms of that stuff, um, he got off to a good start on the field. Yeah. And then of course we have the NFL investigation going on and all the legal stuff, which is going to carry into next year. So Terry, let's talk about somebody that you wrote about a little bit earlier in the week and, and Jerome Ford fifth mm-hmm. round running back taken by the Browns. And it's interesting. You can almost always find some kind of an SEC tie to a lot of the yeah. Andrew Berry draft picks. And here we have another one. Uh, Ford, of course, transferred to Cincinnati from Alabama. And he's kind of trying to find a role. And you're thinking maybe he'll kind of be a Nick Harris type situation where he'll be backing up Kareem Hunt in a lot of the same ways and then maybe move into that role. Yeah. But you've, you've been hearing some good things about Jerome Ford. Yes. And um, also, I mean, he has things like he's willing to play special teams and did it at Alabama and even did his son his first year at Cincinnati. Uh, that's going to bode well. And when I interviewed him, it was funny where he said, uh, I asked about special teams. Oh, yeah, that. And I said, returning. He says, actually, I'd rather cover kickoffs and punts than return them because I'll return them too. And I thought jo- Josh Cribbs used to say that. He liked both. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, you kind of run down there and, and the other guys are sort of standing still and you smack them. And <laughs> he just started laughing. But it's like, you want to hear that. I mean, I might, you know, prefer the special teams guys got to be smiling all over the place with that. And this guy has really impressed the Browns with his ability to catch passes. Now we'll see how that plays out in the preseason. But I think you're going to see quite a bit of him in the preseason. You know, they don't want, uh, I mean, Kareem Hunt was hurt quite a bit last year. They, they want to keep the miles on Chubb. Uh, what's with it? They want to keep those tires off the main track until it really counts for a lot of, you know, when the, when the money's on the line. So I think we'll see a lot of Ford and Demetric uh, Felton. Uh, I'm still, I'm not, I have to admit, I just can't quite get my head around what Felton does for you. He seems small. I know he's supposed to catch some passes, um, but he, uh, he didn't show much last year. So we'll see in the, we'll see in the, uh, preseason but we'll see a lot of both of those guys but i'm intrigued by ford and you could see him kind of the way that like i was saying with nick harris Mm -hmm. they they groomed nick harris to have him ready so when jc treader was gone that he would step in we might see something like that with kareem hunt and and jerome ford where it could happen right and the fact that you could always use you know running backs get hurt that was their other thought they're sitting there this guy's in the fifth round he was recruited by alabama which is you know the blue star on your right to begin with there, you know, that, and then secondly, um, he goes to Cincinnati and he was a big part of the reason they made the, you know, the football playoffs. And actually I looked against Alabama. I think he averaged like 4.8 yards per carry in that game. Now they were, I think they lost 27 to six or something, but I was just kind of curious to see, you know, did they stack the line? They didn't do anything, but he sounded like he ran the ball. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of that depends on your blocking. So, all right, two other big stories, Terry. First one, breaking news came out this week. Kevin Stefanski has put a basketball hoop in the middle of the practice field, and the players are having a great time playing knockout. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, those guys, athletes will have to tell you how great they are at other sports, too. I mean, it's just part of their ego. And most of them usually are really, really good. Uh, I remember shooting baskets with Jim Tomey uh, in Winter Haven, there was this old kind of, it was a half moon metal hoop that was in the parking lot behind the clubhouse there that the sports writers and PR people and that we just play pickup ball. And he came out one day out of the weight room and he walked by and, and one of us threw him the ball and it's like, he stands there, he bricks it. He's on the three point line. We had put a phony in. So we threw him another one. He made five in a row. I mean, out of the weight room, cold. And I'm like, Jimmy, did you, did you uh, play ball anymore? I played a little bit in junior college and this, I looked it up, but he averaged 19 points, you know, and really? you don't see Tommy there. Another guy that uh, is a very similar story, Ron Hassey, if you remember him, heavy set catcher in that uh, same thing came out. He had a really nice shooting touch and that we were, uh, 
uh, we were playing there. And I don't know how, but it's like I, I was in a restaurant or somewhere, a waiter, and this is way back in the Tucson days. And he, got to, he goes, hey, did you know Hansi? I played again. You know, he was a pretty good basketball player. I said, well, there you go. And most of these guys are multi-sports. So this plays right into team building and having fun with things. And I see Newsom has decided he's the best basketball player on the team. I'm not quite sure how that came down. But I, bet <laughs> my, but I know what he doesn't want these guys to do when it's playing one-on-one. Right, right. Yeah, and it's always interesting to see. I mean, it, training camp, OTAs. Uh, mini camp, but it's a long year. And yes. I, I'm always interested in the way coaches find ways to break up the monotony. And mm-hmm. this is one, and this is actually the hoop that Stefanski says he had at his house Yeah, uh, that he bought himself at, at Dick Sporting Goods. And, um, you know, I saw there's, in some, I've seen some video of, of Kevin Stefanski. He did a film breakdown of the employee football game and was kind of making fun <laughs> of guys dropping passes. Yeah. So, I mean, th- those are the kinds of things that you can do this time of year to kind of keep it a little bit light. And I think the players do appreciate it. So, um, well, I, I just wanted to stress to you the a professional athlete is a great athlete, even if he doesn't look it across different sports. And when you look at some what some of these guys, what they did in high school playing other sports, you'd be surprised. However, LeBron James, as great an athlete as he was, one day was down. They were the Indians then for batting practice. They got him in a cage. He was pathetic. <laughs> he looked like he had never swung in a pitch before. Maybe he hadn't. Because remember, he was all state in football the one year he played. And, you know, you could probably, but hitting a baseball is a little different. So that's yeah, the what only did Ted time. Williams say? Ted Williams said it's the hardest thing to do is hit a, a round bat with a, into a round ball, right? Wasn't that his yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. So anyway, uh, that those are my couple of stories. All right. And one more thing, Terry, I know you'd be happy about Cade York, the Browns' new kicker that they drafted out of LSU, has been down kicking at First Energy Stadium. Mm-hmm. He's already trying to figure out the wind currents down there. So and his talk his, to Phil Dawson <laughs> and he went to the Oracle. There you go. Oh, so he's well on his way. So, yeah. And I heard, too, this will be in my notes tomorrow, that uh, their first um, kind of like all out stuff where he kicked, uh, it was impressive. Now, granted, the weather's warm and all that, but my view always is I want to see that quarterback in shorts completing his passes. I want to see the receivers catching the ball. I want to see the kicker kicking conditions are good. Because if you're not, it's sort of like hitting in Arizona. If you're not hitting in Arizona, you're in big trouble. And if you're not looking good in these things right now, uh, you're in trouble. So I'm glad to hear that, uh, after signing his contract, suddenly he's not, you know, imitating Cody Parkey and hitting the crossbars or anything. So that's good. It could be worse. So, all right. Uh, so the Browns have more OTAs coming up the next couple of weeks. And then there's the mandatory mini camp, mini camp on June 14th through 16th. And then the legal kind of shut down until training camp starts. So it'll be shutting down for a month. So, all right, Terry, let's get into the guardians a little bit. Uh, we're taping this on Friday. As I mentioned, they're 18 and 23, seven games behind the twins in the division. They have a big stretch of games coming up against not great teams, but it yeah. didn't start great last night in Detroit. They lost. Uh, they lost late, and this is kind of a key stretch. And just there's kind of a weird vibe with this team. It's kind of hard to get your arms around them a little bit, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it is. And they uh, they didn't play well, particularly well against the Tigers over the weekend in Cleveland. And I don't know. I. I, I... You like to look at a team, they've played 40 games, or what, what did you say the record it was 18 and 23 or whatever 18 it is? and 23, yep. Yeah, okay. So basically your 25% of the season is gone. And you'd like to say, well, you know, this is a team that hits. This is a team that pitches well. Um, it has great defense, something. But right now there's nothing where you look at the Guardians and say this is what they're really good at. And, you know, the, I, I saw now their ERA finally is under four. It's 12th in the American League. A while ago, they were 14th out of the 15 teams. and But that's, you know, 3.96. That used to be not too bad in the old days. But right now, that's bad in an era where teams don't hit. They are eighth in runs scored. And they were much higher, remember, earlier in the year. So, to me, they're just they're a team looking for an identity. And, 
And that bullpen has been somewhat shaky. You know, you saw the other night Stefan came in and, and just, just gave it up. And so uh, I guess maybe with a young team, you, you expect that. But I just thought the pitching would be better. So what will be this team's identity? If Let's say we're talking here in September and we're, like, we're looking back at the season. What would you say will be the identity of this team or what should it be? Well, it should be the pitching because they've invested so much in that, you know, not only what they have here, but, you know, guys that they can call up from the minors. Um, but do you know that uh, Plezak has an ERA of 4.7 since the start of the 21 season? This season has been kind of a continuation of last season. And to me, he's lacking a second or third pitch they can rely on. So that is a problem. Now, Savali has the, what, the gluteus injury. Gluteus, max, whatever, pulled <laughs> muscle on the side. And um, he would have been, now he looked very good last Friday. I intentionally went to that game to see him pitch. And that was, looked like the old uh, Savali, probably for the first time this year. He had one other game that was pretty good. And then he gets hurt. So you have those two. I'm not too concerned about Beaver and people are dwelling on his um, velocity being down a little bit. Uh, I just think he's, I just think he's really good. He can do it with his control, his breaking pitches. Um, and McKenzie's been encouraging, but overall, when you look at the staff, it's just not the strong uh, starting rotation that we thought. So we'll, we'll see there, you know, in the minors, they have Logan T. Allen that they're, I think they're moving up to triple a who's really not the Logan Allen that was here before, but, and he's a lefty pit pitcher also. I think he's really promising. If Espino can get healthy, uh, Daniel Espino, he could come up very quickly. Gavin Williams is a guy they drafted in the first round of 21. I and mean, these are legit uh, major league prospects. <coughs> And they just made some other moves this week, bringing up Oscar Gonzalez, who we've yep. been talking about. Um, and how, what are you expecting from him, and how do you see they might use him? I know they like to bring guys up when the weather warms up mm -hmm. a little bit, especially position players. What do you see going forward for him? I hope he hits and proves them wrong because they have not been high on this guy. He's one of the few guys that they have in their farm system hitting home runs, and they dwelled on the fact that he walked a lot, didn't walk very much at all. And he struck out, although we're not talking Bobby Bradley kind of strikeouts, you know. And now I'm looking, he is, he's still not walking at all. But his strikeouts like one every seven or eight at best, and he's got a lot of power. And I had saw some tapes of some of his home runs in AAA, and they were to the opposite field. So why not try him? They're running everybody up. I mean, my goodness. Remember when they went with Jake Bowers, who, you know, had no power, had nothing. I like to look at a player, David, um, and say, well, what's the one thing he's got that's major league ability? You know, like a pitcher. Well, he's got a really major league fastball. Or he's got, a you know, a wipeout slider or something. Well, look at Oscar Gonzalez. He hits the ball a long way. And not only that, he's a big guy who looks like he'll keep hitting the ball a long way. And of course you could say the same thing with, 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 with Reyes. Now, maybe the reason Reyes has been um, uh, terrible this year, remember earlier in the year, he had a calf muscle. Now it's a hamstring. He, his legs just might've been messed up all year. Cause sometimes that when a guy is hit, like in the two previous 162 game seasons, David, he, he hit uh, I think 37 and 30 homers. I know that both over 30. Odds are, if he stays reasonably healthy, he'll do it again. So, you know, that's the old track record thing. So, fine, he's out. Let's, let, let's run Oscar out there and uh, see what he does. So, look, you mentioned Bobby Bradley, and they gave him plenty of opportunities. It, and it, it didn't end well. You know, it, they would have liked to have right. him be here long term, and, and finally they had to part ways. But is there anything in the way that, that the team approached the Bobby Bradley development that you think they can learn from with Oscar Gonzalez going forward? Well, see, Is there anything they should have done differently that maybe they'd want to try differently this time in terms of number of at-bats or I don't know. I don't know, David. You know, I used to think they kind of waited too long. You know, they used to tell me that he's striking out. He's striking out one every three times in AAA. What do you think is going to happen to him when he gets to the big leagues? 
Well, we found out. Remember, he came up and he was hot for about a month. And then after that, uh, it, it just went bad for him. I'll tell, remember, we talked about seeing things in spring training. Well, <clears throat> this spring, he was terrible. And I wrote about that. He was absolutely awful. And I'm looking at AAA. How about this, David? At AAA, Bobby Bradley's been to the plate 45 times and does not have a home run. You're not going to believe this. He's batting 77. He's three for 45. It's like he completely lost confidence. Now, I don't know if they messed with his swing so much that he doesn't remember how he swings the bat or whatever. But, see, I I never related Oscar Gonzalez to the same as as Bradley because he, he didn't have the excessive strikeouts. So let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I know you'd like him to walk more. And, you know, in the age of the on, we love on base percentage and blah, blah, blah. But they'll go with these guys who strike out every three times up. Maybe they walk a fair amount. And he bet 198 because he might hit 25 homers. Oscar Gonzalez could do better than that. I really believe they just leave him in there. The track record seems to show that. So give him a shot. It's not like they are piled up with power hitters. You know, George Valera finally gotten hot, by the way, double-A. He was struggling till about 10 days ago. I think he's hit five homers in his last 10 games, including one that went 430 feet. So he's – but he's young. You know, he's got a long way to go. Well, and one more thing, Terry. The stars might be aligning in a couple of ways here for bringing Oscar up. I mean, the, the Guardians have had – I think the Guardians of the Red and the Reds have played the fewest home games. Mm-hmm. They only had 16 so far, so he's going to have a lot of home games. And the Guardians are coming home after this series in Detroit this weekend, and they're going to play three against Kansas City and three against Baltimore. Uh, Then they have a seven-game homestand against Texas and Oakland. I mean, the records, the Royals, the Orioles, the Rangers, and the A's, you're not going to see an awesome pitcher every night that might rock his confidence early. And so it seems like the stars are kind of aligning to make this happen. So it seems like the timing is right. And just shows you how much of a mental game it is where when you're struggling, like we just saw Bobby Bradley and he goes back to triple a and he's three for 45 with no homers. I mean, that's like, I remember Earl Weaver was, said to me and I'm cleaning up the language when I was covering the Orioles in 79, you could roll the ball up to the plate right now. He couldn't even pick it up and throw it out there. He would just grab and miss. And, you know, it's, and the idea of course, you know, how much, how much of this stuff, is mental. Now I'm looking right now. All right, Bobby Bradley. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Gonzalez was hitting 282. He had struck out 22 times and walked only six times in 182 plate appearances in AAA. So what's the problem? You know, okay, you'd like him to walk more. He's sitting 282, hitting home runs. Put him in there. Let's see what see what he does. Yeah, and let's see how it goes over this next stretch of games against some teams that don't have great yes. records. So, all right, Terry, let's take a break here. We'll come back. We'll talk some Cavaliers. Uh, we will talk about your faith column for this week, and we have a few more sub- submissions that we got about what piece of Cleveland sports memorabilia fans would like to have. So we'll wrap those up, and we'll be right back on Terry's Talking. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
All right, we're back on Terry's Talking. David Campbell and Terry Pluto. Terry, let's get into some NBA here. The Golden State Warriors, who have had a terrible run the last couple of years, are back in the NBA Finals. And you have some interesting thoughts on kind of how they've done it and how it might relate to the Cavaliers. You know, the nice thing about the podcast is between stuff you bring up and also that the, the readers, whether they're emails that send to me or questions, it gets me thinking, and I'm sometimes talking through it, I'm going to be writing about for the weekend. And just watching uh, a little bit of the Warriors earlier in the week when I was on, on vacation, and then um, I was just watching the highlights last night, and I'm thinking, they've stood the course with Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson, and Steve Kerr. The constants have all been there. Yeah, others have come and gone. Durant dropped in, won a couple titles, then left. You know, they roll on. They rebuilt themselves around those guys. The Cavaliers have three players, and I will argue no one knew Steph Curry was going to be Steph Curry early in his career. Now, I'm not saying that Darius is going to be Steph Curry, but um, he surprised a lot of people already, and he's just turning 22. You turn around, Draymond Green is smart enough to know he's really good with a team like this. You know, it hides his offensive limitations. They accent his ball handling, his defense. He's got some spunk. He's got a coach that can handle him and Kerr. And you think about Jared Allen. All of a sudden, Jared Allen looked a lot better here than he did in Brooklyn. And my feeling is, you know, Jared will continue to get better. But Jared also just needs to be with a coach that knows what to do with a big man. And Bernie Bickerstaff is a guy that does that. And then they also have, you know, Clay Thompson, who, David, it's remarkable. You know, a guy that back-to-back ACL and torn Achilles, and he missed more than a 1,000 days and comes back and plays like he did. And he is, when I mean, I had to admit, I mean, it was annoying to lose to the Warriors and that, but when I was out there and I was talking to people, they have it going. I mean, they, they're, they're all front office is smart. Kerr is terrific. And, you know, those guys love playing there. They've got a system and how they want to play. They move without the ball. They move the ball so well. You know, I see some of the things now they play more small ball than big, but some of the same things JB Bickerstaff wants to do offensively. I see there. And then I also see um, just the, the continuity, you know, and I hope the cast can develop into that. And we heard a lot from Cavs fans when Durant was there. Oh, you know, no wonder the Cavs couldn't win. They're playing against a super team. And Durant was just a, you know, a hired gun who came in just to help them get over the top. And this really, like you said, is a testament to how they do things. And I think that you can kind of get that same vibe from the Cavaliers. Like, this is what we are. This Mm -hmm. is what we want to be. We have a young core and we're going to take this thing and see where it goes. And it's going to be really fascinating to see who sticks around on the core for the Cavaliers. Cause they've got, they've got some really good options right now. And, and you watch the, the, the thing, the most impressive about the Warriors, like you said, is how they were able to move on from Durant, plug in some new pieces and still do this really something. And even when they were bad there for a couple of years in between where people were hurt, they still sort of played the same way, David, they still moved without the ball. They still have, you know, they had a way a warrior way of playing. And that's what the Cavaliers are starting to develop that. You know, we need to see them. Uh, they need to bring in, you know, another point guard. They need to do some things. And I think the Cavs have to understand, too, that this year the goal should be just to get to the playoffs. That's my feeling. You know, get to the, the real playoffs, not just the playing. Get to the real playoffs and see what happens. Watch your guys grow. You know, Laurie Markinen, he may not fit in with somewhere else. I think he fits in here. And that was a terrific trade. That's one that I did not uh, particularly like when uh, uh, Kobe Altman made it. I felt a little better when I talked to uh, Larry Nash Jr.'s agent, Mark Bartlestein, and he explained to me that really, you know, Larry was in the mood, you know, to leave. (laughs) Unfortunately for Larry, this is the kind of team he wanted to play on that turned out to be here. He just, he just got discouraged being here. Um, And so he went to Portland. Now he's with New Orleans. Meantime, you know, marketing came here totally. His confidence was shot. He'd been through coaching changes and turmoil in Chicago. And here's 
Bernie Burkerstaff setting him down, talking about small forward. He had to wonder, what did I just walk into? But they had a, they had a vision, and they got to stay with it. And that's one thing. Golden State has stayed with their vision. You know, Durant came, Durant left. By the way, what has Durant done since he left it there? And you could even argue how much – I know he went, took one time he took Oklahoma uh, City to the finals, but that was it. See, there's something more than just putting guys together. You know, the other thing I like about the NBA Final Four right now, and granted, Dallas is out, but the teams are there, Boston, Miami, and then you have Golden State and Dallas. These are not AAU, throw together the stars, let's play game, like Brooklyn tried to do with some others. Yes, Miami brought in Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Butler, and, you know, they, I mean, Dallas, they don't even have an, I mean, their import, I guess, is Luka, but it's not, he was a drafted a draft a trade you know golden state is golden state and they 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 are teams miami's another one they stuck with how they play even when they went through lebron and all those guys you know spolster's got a way he wants to play and they have drafted and built to that and even though i mean here i am praising teams i don't like i didn't like miami and i don't like golden state because of what they did to the Cavs over the years but you have to admire what they're doing and I hope it's a, a model and that the Cavs don't lose patience. And I think that's what J.B. Bickerstaff's going for with his five principles yes. that Chris Fudor wrote about last year. One more. You know, it's all it's all about culture and building yes. that. Yeah. So, all right, Terry, let's get into your faith column for this week. It is graduation season. A lot of people will be heading to parties and graduation ceremonies. And I, you took a really interesting take this week in terms of what you would tell your younger self. It's kind of an idea you borrowed from the Players' Tribune where a lot of players write what I would tell my younger self. I thought you had some great tales in there about kind of what you would what you would tell people this graduation season. Yeah, I thought about that because first of all, I was thinking, well, it's graduation thing. In the past, I've done like advice to graduates, usually with a line about, you know, they paid this person $50,000 to go in and tell you could tell them you could do everything you want. I'm like, uh, well, no, you can't actually. I don't think if some of you want to play in the NBA, you're going to get there. But then I thought, you know, what would I, because the event, the thing when Roberta and I were out um, in uh, Southern Ohio hiking and that we've been married, we're going to be married 45 years in September. We, and I've known her for 48 years. And so we were talking about just some of the things like early in, in, in my newspaper career, and she's been with me through the whole thing. And then I remember the, Players Tribune thing, the letter to my younger self. So I decided to do that. And one of the things I want to suggest too is I wish my father or mother or anybody in my family kind of wrote some of the things that they learned, like what when they got out of school, that they look back and go, boy, boy, was that dumb or or that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, among other things, for example, uh, straight out, I mentioned how Roberta and I were together for for so long in that. You know, the people that go and have 15 million sex partners and everything else running around, it's just not the way to, you know, find a, a relationship that's going to last. It, it just isn't. You marry wrong or even just move in with somebody because you met them for five minutes and try to make I have seen so many people in our business, David, wrecked because of bad relationships, which often then leads into drugs and alcohol. All the stuff they tell you is bad. It's bad. <laughs> it actually is. And so that's one of the things, too. But I also remember what an egotist I was when I was young. I was the greatest writer, not only that I ever read, but probably I thought of all time. And I had to learn some humility and some things along the way. Um, and so I in a big one. And, and this is stay out of office gossip. Stay out of it. Stay out of it. Stay out of it. And the last thing on this, I remember I said to this older writer, well, you know what? If I were running this paper, I would. And he goes, he held up his hand like a stop sign. He goes, you're not. I said, what? You're not running the paper. I'll tell you something else, kid. They don't care what you think about running the paper. That's right. And I go, so they don't want to hear from you? He goes, actually, no. If it's about your job directly, then you have something to say. You go to your boss and you say it. But thinking you're ready to run the world, forget it. And don't listen. I think he said, don't listen to those rockheads. You know, a bunch of bitter guys. But see, when you're younger, a lot of times you think people who are sort of cynical in this, you think they're kind of cool. But of course, that's hiding frustration and, and a lot of other things. And it just drags you down. But one of the things I like to, I, I think your idea about doing these for people 
is really mm -hmm. important yes. because we oh. live in a world of texts and tweets. And, and you think back of all the great letters that have been written in history by presidents and, and, and friends mm -hmm. to each other. And we've lost that whole letter writing culture. Like it's all gone. Nobody writes really letters anymore or even long emails with this kind of stuff. So I think this kind of an exercise of sharing your, what you've learned with people could really, I hope it catches on. I'd love to see that. Yeah, because he would keep it, even if it doesn't mean a whole lot to you now. Most people would probably keep it if that came from somebody else. Um, Ken, along those lines, Ken Burns has done all those wonderful documentaries, and you know he's known for the Civil War. He said the remarkable thing was just all the letters and things that are safe from that. And I forgot what he was looking at, uh, something of recent vintage to do one on. He said, that's the problem. We don't have the letters. We got short emails. You got tweets. But you don't have somebody sitting down and really kind of pouring their heart out on the page, and and so this is something where I think it would I think it would really mean a lot, and it also would cause us to be reflective of of what we learned and miss some miss some of the mistakes we made and and in there I talk about one time how I almost got fired and some other stuff so um, hopefully uh, it'll connect with all the readers. Yeah, so check out Terry's Faith in You column. It'll be on cleveland.com on Saturday morning, as usual, and then in Sunday's Plain Dealer. So, all right, Terry, let's get into the uh, Hey Terry portion of the show here. We have been talking the last couple of weeks about this Diego Maradona jersey from the 1986 World Cup, the hand, from the Hand of God goal game. The jersey that he wore that day sold for $9.3 million in auction. So we thought it'd be fun. We kind of were talking about what, piece of Cleveland sports memorabilia would you we would like to have if money was no object and you said you'd love to have a world be free jersey because of your memories with him Rocky Colavito's bat from when he hit four homers in a game in Baltimore I was talking about a Lou Boudreau jersey from the 1948 World Series and I would love LeBron's shorts from the Draymond Green game so we put out uh, a request for people to send in what they would like to have of Cleveland sports memorabilia and we didn't get to all of them last week. So we had a few left that I wanted to kind of just get into real quick. This one's from Larry in Akron. And he says, here's three sentimental items that I would enjoy having for show and tell with my kids and grandkids from decades of being a Cleveland sports fan. Number one, the net from the basketball hoop after game seven, when Dick Snyder's bank shot beat the bullets and the Cavs won the miracle of Richfield playoff series in 1976. Number two, Rick Manning's outfielder glove that caught the last out of Len Barker's 1981 Ooh. perfect game. Ooh, and number three, the right shoe of Don Cockroft that was not called on by Sam Ritigliano <laughs> to kick the potential game-winning field goal on January 4th, 1981, when the Browns lost 14-12 to to the Raiders in the red-right 88 playoff game. Those are three <laughs> really remarkable uh, ideas there. What do you think right, of those, I'm going to go off script here a little bit, but I was thinking this. The other night I watched Miles Straw. I, I think it was, uh, might have been last night in Detroit. Shot, hit to the wall in center field, and he just turned and ran and, you know, and just looked back over his shoulder and caught it. When Rick Manning was at his best playing center field, he was Miles Straw. If you're watching, you know, because a lot of fans now they get a chance to see, they know more as a broadcaster. But that's how Rick was. Rick was just like Miles in the outfield. He might have played even a little shallower because of his ability to go back and, and go get the ball. So there you are. And another example of a great athlete mm -hmm. in many ways. All right. And uh, wait, here's wait, another wait, one, Terry. Oh, wait, you did it. I'm sitting with Frank Layton at an NBA game. He's scouting for Utah where he used to coach. And he coached at Niagara. And, and then, I, you know, I was from Cleveland. We're talking just during the game. He goes, you know, uh, that kid Rick Manning from Niagara Falls, I offered him a scholarship to play for me when I was coaching at Niagara. He goes, that kid, he didn't shoot that well, but he was a great point guard. He'd guard you. He was quick. So there you go. No kidding. He's a Division one basketball player. Wow. All right. Here's the next one, Terry. This one is from Brian Kirkendall. He says, the one thing that pops in my head is I would want the dirt that Bernie Kozar drew his last play as a Brown. <laughs> it can be in a container, but it would be cool to have that dirt and have him draw the play and somehow memorialize that in a frame. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to have the bat that Raji Davis used to hit the home run in the World Series uh -huh. against the Cubs. One of my favorite times as a fan of any team. Yeah. Me and my two grown sons were in a three-way hug, jumping up and down in the living room. That was so much fun and a great moment as a fan and a father. And again, and the other thing, David, because that was so unlikely. Rajay, who didn't have a lot of power, but wonderful guy, just a great guy. 
and there's Chapman throwing 104 miles an hour or whatever it is, and bang. It was some moment, and yeah. uh, we were both there. So, all right, this one's from Bill Sculler in Denver, Colorado. I hope you got, I got your last name right, Bill. Uh, he says, I'd like to have a hockey stick signed by the Glover brothers from one of their Calder um, Cup years. As a kid in South Euclid, I was a huge Barons fan on the radio in the AHL days, and I read Rich Passon's story in the paper religiously. Rich Passon used to write a hockey column, if I remember mm-hmm. right, called Passing the Buck. Yes, the he play did. Dealer, so. And my dad was friends with a guy named Joe Vargo, who was business manager of the Barons. So we periodically would get free tickets back when the Glover brothers and Bill Needham and some of those others were uh, were playing, Howie and Fred Glover. But, by the way, all those guys would have been the NHL now because I think there's only like eight uh, NHL teams. Oh, there's no doubt about it. The yeah. HL, was they were uh, the they were, best league in the world. Oh, yeah. It, it just, uh, they were, they were, boy, they fight too. I mean, it's, it, it was something else. Some good stories. So, and this last one, Terry's from Caleb Mackey. He says, uh, he talks about what a great championship that it was that the Cavs brought. He says, that's why I would love to have the backboard from LeBron James's infamous chase down block in game seven out in Golden State in, in the NBA finals. I suppose if I could afford a piece of memorabilia, I would also like to have a house big enough to display it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's from Caleb. Thanks for all those. Everybody who sent those. Probably in. set it up in his den. You know how big it is. He's got, well, he's got a couple mansions now. <laughs> all right, Terry, we're going to do some regular Hey Terry questions. And again, thanks to everybody who sent those memorabilia things. And they were really fun and creative. And uh, we really had a good time with those. So we have a question here from Kathleen Thompson about the Cavaliers. She's a longtime listener of the podcast. She says, hey, Terry. Do you think the Cavaliers keep their draft pick at number 14 or trade it? If it could really bring them a guy they want, I think they will get rid of it. But uh, I really believe that uh, Kobe Altman, he would, they feel pretty good about the guys they drafted recently. And even if it's a guy that, um, you know, can't help a ton right now, but somebody the next year or two does. Because remember, David, I guess the perception should be on their part. This is not an all-in year. This is a continuing to build year. And I am going to go back and check, like, how long were the Warriors with Curry before they, you know, really took off. I know it's got to be a couple of years. So that pick, I think, might be more valuable to them than somewhere else. Remember, in the salary cap age and that, getting those guys on that rookie contract, you know, helps quite a bit. All right, thanks for that question, Kathleen. All right, this one is from Scott. He says... Please tell the guy that asked the questions on the Terry's Talking podcast that Terry is the talent and he should stop talking when Terry talks. Don't finish your question. Don't clarify. Don't expound. Don't interrupt. Terry talk. We tune in to hear Terry talking, not Terry talk as this, at the same time as the interviewer. Terry By the way, I sent, I sent that just so you know. <laughs> Let me interrupt you, Terry. Do I interrupt you too much? Because if I do, um, I will work on that. Oh, we all interrupt each other. <laughs> I interrupted you several times. So, one interruptions you know, make for good podcasts. No old Jewish proverb, David. This applies to both of us. Where words are many, sin is not absent. Very nice. Yeah. All right, we got we got one more here. This one is from Chris Chapon, and he says, "Hey Terry, which one of these do you think happens first? All right, there's a there's five of them here, I think, Come maybe on. six. All right, Nick Chubb, 1,400 yards rushing. Watson gets suspended. Joe Woods fired. Joe Thomas elected into the Hall of Fame. The Browns win 12 games, or the Browns make the playoffs. I guess the last two might be the same. So yeah. Nick Chubb, 1,400 yards rushing. Watson gets suspended. Joe Woods fired, which is not going to happen. Joe Thomas elected into the Hall of Fame, and the Browns win 12 games and make the playoffs. Well, if Watson's not suspended, then you might get your 12 games and they make the playoffs. Unfortunately, I think most of us believe there's some sort of suspension coming. If you throw that one out, then it gets interesting. Because, like, if they were doing the odds in Vegas, you know, the overwhelming would be Watson suspended. All right, I'm going to ask you the question. Throw the Watson thing out, then what is the most likely thing to happen? I'm going to say Nick Chubb, 1,400 yards. Okay. That's just my guess. I think with this right, offensive so line. 17 games to do it. 17 games, yeah. Yeah. And but you've got to stay healthy. Yeah, and if he has Watson, 
Um, that's even going to open up more for him. We could do that. Although I, you know, it all could come together. He can go for 1400 yards and they could win the 12. They, they, that makes them 12 and five. Um, it's a good question. You know, it, it is. And by the way, David, I mean, the Browns are a good team. I mean, I know all this is hanging over them. I mean, I like their talent. I'm going to write more about this from the football end, but that's the unfortunate thing about all the Watson off the field stuff hanging over them. Uh, they got a lot going for them. They really do. And we'll talk about that some more coming up. Absolutely. Hey, Chris, thanks for that question. It was kind of one of those questions that seemed simple at first, but the more you thought about it, the more convoluted it got and more interesting. So thanks for sending that in. All right, Terry, um, we're up against time a little bit. I know there's a couple of appearances you have coming up that we should talk about on June 7th and June 14th, correct? Yes, June 7th is at the Willoughby Library at 7 p.m. I'll be talking and sign books and meet people after. June 14th at 6.30 p.m. Uh, those are back-to-back Tuesdays, I may add. The 14th is at the Wall of Books in Parmatown, my old neighborhood where I grew up on Westminster Drive. That's why I took the thing 6.30 there. I'll be, give a talk at the bookstore, Wall of Books in Parmatown, and then uh, meet and talk to people afterwards. So June 7th, June 14th, you can go from the east side to the west side, and you can hear me because I just make stuff up as I go along, so it won't be all the same. <laughs> All right. And um, we will try and move our pod next week back to Thursday, maybe if we can, so that we can get back on a more regular schedule. And we're going to have some vacations and stuff. But uh, hey, if you want to hit us and get your thoughts on the podcast, you can do it a couple of ways. One is to hit Terry on his Facebook page. The other way is to email us at sports at cleveland.com. And you can put Terry's talking in the subject line and we'll try and get you onto next week's podcast. And thanks for all the great submissions for this week. Really appreciate it. Anything else, Terry? That'll do it. All right. Well, on behalf of Terry, this is the guy that asked the questions. And we will catch you next week on Terry's Talking. Talking.